Welcome to Counterintelligence. This is Eric LeVay. Today's guest is Jack Bryan, the director of the explosive political documentary, Active Measures. Forensic News thanks our Patreons Angela, Craig, Greg, Sasha, and Jim. Support Forensic News and Counterintelligence on Patreon. Without further ado, here's the show. Jack Bryan, welcome to Counterintelligence. Thanks for having me on. Jack, it's great to talk to you. I uh, actually went back and looked at the exact date that we... Uh, I spoke with you and your uh, the other filmmakers at Active Measures. It was <laughs> it was about six months ago. Uh, so I guess the first thing I wanted to ask you was, uh, uh, well, Active Measures has been out for a year. So overall, what I don't know what was the impact, and uh, yeah, just what where do you feel? What do you see a year from now? Uh, you know, how do you feel about everything? Uh, well, I mean, I think that right now uh, I'm I'm somewhat I'm, I'm disappointed. In terms of the fact that I don't think the Mueller report uh, has had uh, the impact uh, I'd hoped it would have, and I think that also uh, it overlooked a lot of aspects that I think it should have not overlooked. Um, and so I, I think that um, I think it, there's enough out there now that, in hindsight, that uh, two years from now, or uh, I think, but basically my approach is I think it's going to be a lot like the Iraq War. Uh-huh. where it wasn't until Bush was basically out of office that anybody that had supported it from the beginning was like, oh, yeah, that was a really bad idea. Yeah. Uh, and now it's hard to find somebody, period, who stands by it. And, and I think <laughs> the Trump-Russia story might very likely end up that way, where while there is this propaganda machine in you know, Fox News and Breitbart and the Russians as well, really having a vested interest in uh, pumping up Donald Trump, I think it's going to be hard to penetrate any new camps in terms of people that aren't into this or don't think of it. But I think once that ends and people can just look at the evidence without um, the emotional weight of this is the guy we're really supporting, I think that it's going to be pretty um, impossible to deny. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, in terms of the long arc, I feel like the Mueller report solidified this narrative uh, going forward. You know, it's kind of hard to look at, to read the Mueller report and be like, well, Manafort was giving internal polling data to Russian intelligence as a means of, quote unquote, getting a hole uh, when he's in debt and not getting paid by the campaign while the Russians are you know, doing a campaign against America. That's pretty clear cut. I mean, it's pretty shocking to me that Mueller did not charge that as a crime. But even the fact that it appears uh, in the document and is on the historical record, uh, I think makes it that it that we will look back on this as that was that's collusion right there. Um, and so, I, I, yeah, that's that's sort of short term disappointment, long term satisfaction. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I yeah, it's like the I'm sure you have the personal satisfaction as uh, having made a great film and, and completed something that you set out to do along with the other filmmakers. But then there's the like you said, the personal feeling that, hey, like like I went back last night and I'm like, I started watching it again. And I remember the first time I saw Active Measures and it was like, you know, like, holy, sh- like, I can't believe this. And this time I'm watching it and I'm like, I just, I was kind of just bummed out, like, about, about was like, <laughs> I, like, yeah, no, I feel you. Like, really? Um, yeah. Maybe you guys yeah, should. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, yeah. Right. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Jack. Oh, no, I, I'm just agreeing. You know, I, I think that, that it, it is sort of, I mean, I, I think that there is still a chance. I mean, listen, here's, here's the one thing that I think uh, is a positive spin kind of thing, mm-hmm. is that I think that the Republicans probably wouldn't be doing what they're doing unless they genuinely felt that they could, they could control them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that they probably can't. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that they're not doing a good job of it. But I think that um, uh, I, that's, my, that's the only sort of grain of hope that I have is to assume that that's the case. I don't even know that it is. Jack, that's but, pretty good. Uh, Jack, have you ever thought about yeah. running for office? Because that was like the best political spin <laughs> I've, I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, I, no is the answer. And also, I, I, that's really wishful thinking on my part as well. So I, I'm aware of that but for the record. Um, but uh, but yes, yeah, so I, I think that uh, it is. Um, it's also, I think that there's obviously there's enough there that that we can. And I, and I feel very. Uh, good uh, about everything that's in the film as well. I mean, we've done a little bit of research for a slightly uh, adjacent project, mm-hmm. the last one, and part of that involved is going back and being like, all right, was that part, were we 100%? And not, not is it accurate, interactive, we know it's all accurate, but is it relevant? That's the real question. It's like, is that fact fall into the 
this scheme of events or is it just a coincidence? And I think that some of the things we were like, we felt very sure that the thing and we felt very sure it was relevant. People get us pushed back. Now going back into it, we feel really, really good about everything that's in it because found even more on the things that we were looking at than we'd found before. Uh, and so I feel very good about what's in the film. I think that this is a story that is incredibly important and will not get less important just because Donald Trump, even if he leaves office. Uh. Um, and so I think that, you know, we have to protect our elections and, and, uh, you know, it's not like we're living in the cold war. It's a different thing. Um, but they have greater access to our, our elections. I mean, it's not just the Russians. I mean, the Russians uh, put a you know greater percentage of their GDP towards espionage and mm-hmm. intelligence work than other countries do. So like they're good at it and they're the tip of the spear. But I think that, I, I think that unless we have some real, somebody who really wants to protect our elections, this is going to be the new normal and it's going to be China. It's going to be Saudi Arabia. It's going to be Pakistan. It's going to be every country is in there with their vested interests. And, you know, I, I guess as Americans, we can hope that those interests kind of cancel each other out to an extent. Um, but it's going to give Americans a smaller voice until we really, really decide to do something about it. Right. So now I went back and it's kind of amazing to actually think about this, but two two elections in my lifetime, our lifetime, have been essentially fraudulent. The last one and even the uh, George W. Bush maybe not foreign influence, but that was highly suspect to say the least. And it's, it's kind of amazing. You get used to a new normal. That's very scary. Uh, Yeah. But also I think that there's another element too. Uh, And I think that I I think one of the reasons that Americans haven't really uh, been catching on (laughs) on this (laughs) is that this has been also, this is the worst example of it we've ever had. Okay, yeah. so that's the first thing. But it has been, there's been an element of this going on in politics, uh, and nobody has been talking about it. And I think people kind of get it, but maybe not for a long time. I mean, in 60, what, 68, mm-hmm. Nixon back channels with the North Vietnamese to end the Paris peace talks, which prevents the um, Democrat getting elected, gets make sure that he gets elected, and uh, extends the Vietnam War for years. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that was collusion. That was to help him get elected. He, uh, you know, worked with a foreign adversary. Um, I think the release of the hostages in 1980 is really suspicious. There was a lot of chatter mm-hmm. about that being back channel between Reagan and the Iranians. I think that's not unlikely. And I think that there's, uh, and that's actually we're going to book about it, that and they have a lot of stuff that suggests that absolutely that happened. Wow. Uh, and so I think that, you know, there's. I think that Bush had an inappropriate relationship with the Saudis. Mm. Um, I think that. Uh, so I think that there's been elements of this in the background of our culture for a while that it's been brewing. Right. Um, but we never really dealt with it. We never really addressed. And usually these things come out like ten years later, and so mm. everyone's like, "Oh, who cares?" You know. Um, I mean, the Russians. Very seems certainly seems that Michael Foot, uh, who was a ran for prime minister against Margaret Thatcher. Mm certainly seems to have been a Russian agent whose code name was boot and who, you know, (laughs) there's been, there's a lot of documentation. The uh, British intelligence was aware of this while he was running for president. He was going to lose. They didn't say anything. Um, In our own country. I mean, um, uh, you know, Roosevelt's second vice president, uh, Wallace was, was brought to uh, Russia and and was shown um, a Siberian camp was told it was like a communal living area and believed it and completely uh, was wow. suckered by the Russians. And the person, if Roosevelt had died when he was vice president, the person that would have made his secretary of defense was a Russian spy. <laughs> so like they've been in there for a long time. And also I should say that the Russians in the thirties had much better penetration than they do now. Nobody knew what they were doing. Uh, or not, probably not better than they do. Maybe not better than they do now, but better than they did in the, until any point until now. So they've been trying to do penetration operations and things like that. I think that, you know, McCarthy obviously being a crazy person and overdoing everything uh, destroyed any semblance of actually looking for like Russian spies. And, and then we get dinged in the late 90s with all these Russian spies and the FBI and the CIA and uh, we weren't looking for it. Uh, and I think in the same way, we 
there's been a hit long history of this, which I haven't been looking for. Just to uh, backtrack, did you, did you just say that the Secretary of Defense under Roosevelt was was a spy? No, 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 no. no. no Roosevelt had died. Sorry, Roosevelt had died. Oh, the, um, Wallace is the person that he would have put in as Secretary of Defense uh, was certainly Russian asset. Wow, and there were a couple other people around him that were in similar positions. Wallace was not. Wallace was not a Russian spy. Sure, he was a the perfect example of a useful idiot. Okay. Believed everything was coming out. And, and in fairness, like the Russian propaganda in the 1930s and like early 40s, really 30s, mm. was great. And nobody knew what was going on over there. And they had a lot of like journalists on the payroll and they were saying like, oh, nothing's happening in Ukraine. No one's been killed. It's all good. Um, right. And so it was very easy for an American to believe that at the time. Right. Um, and American government, because we were going to war uh you know, with Russia on our side, pushed some pro-Soviet propaganda in the 30s as well. So it's not like these things were um, coming out of nowhere. There's always a context in which they exist. Right. I mean, so it's really, if I, you know, the when I look at it like that, it's almost like it's, it's really just like there's an underworld that's been exposed. Maybe, I guess it's always been like this. And we didn't really... Yeah, and I think yeah. that's a good way of putting it, is that I, I think that... so. One of the first times I sort of we sort of locked onto this in our team was we were talking to one of our real good like money laundering investigators that we talked to. The guy that really taught us how to identify money laundering, how to spot it, how to you know how it works, and da da da. Mm -hmm. And we were like, it's really weird because you keep seeing a lot of these same guys pop up in this story and in um, you know like this over here on Contra. Like all these same kind of guys are just popping up here, and he's like, uh, yes. This is a thing that I learned in the 80s. Like I had been my first money laundering assignment of, of investigating was in the Midwest. Oh. I found this guy and put him in jail. And then six years later, I'm doing work, same kind of thing in Central America. Oh. And the same guy pops up. Wow. And I'm like, what the heck is this guy doing here? And he's like, I realized at that point, and it's proven true since, that it's basically like Guys and Dolls. Guys and Dolls is a musical. And it all sort of circulates around this longest running crap game in the world, uh -huh. in New York. And the reason it can be the longest running crap game is because it moves to a different location every time. And the same guys just follow it around. Uh -huh. They said in the 80s, the crap game of these scumbags and just <laughs> criminals was in Central America. That's where our guys, the other guys, everyone kind of, that's where the action was. In 2016, the action was the Trump campaign. Right. So you see all these scumbag dudes, whether it's George Nader, all these guys, mm -hmm. Eric Prince, just circulating around this the Russians uh, campaign uh, because they were open for business. Um, and so uh, and but it, I think that there is just sort of these network of guys that appear like even the Epstein stuff mm -hmm. like that's a that's a crazy. So his girlfriend, the girl who is requiring all these women for Epstein, her father certainly seems to have been a Mogilevich guy. Her brother is connected to Cambridge Analytica through really strange means. Um, it's like, this, this, and I, I think it's basically, I think you have to look at it somewhere between like this network of conspirators <laughs> and this very loose affiliation of just scumbags. It's hard. To, um, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. And so it's somewhere, it's somewhere in the middle of it. I don't think it's, I think it's too sort of much to say like, ah, they're all planning together. But like, if you're in a, if you're just all you hang out with are scumbags who are trying right. to like, you know, do elections in Africa and move money from Moldova, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to meet a lot of the same people. <laughs> yeah, it's a small community, and uh, so within all of these massive scandals, like you see a bunch of dudes that are really connected to each other, and um, you know, it's very hard to tell. Like, well, is that are they the same thing, or are they just scummy guys who do scummy stuff together? Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is their world. And uh, I, I, I've read that that's one of the prevailing theories about Trump. You can tell me if you agree is that it's not even that in terms of the leverage that uh, Putin has, it's not even that he necessarily knows what it is. It's I've read that there might be so much dirt that he just doesn't know what anyone has. So it's like, let me just be I think, careful. I think that's likely. Yeah, I think that's likely. I mean, I think it's also financial, though. I mean, uh -huh. I think that you can't really take away that motivation. I mean, if you look at, you know, so Trump's life, basically, he always had um, his dad, you know, <laughs> financing a lot of the stuff. I mean, he had successes in the early 80s. No one takes that away from uh, Donald Trump. And certainly he didn't earn that money, but he had right. successes. He took money and made more money out of it. And good for him. 
Uh, by the 90s, so that is not happening anymore. Uh, and then his dad dies in the late 90s. And this is the thing that's not very really well reported, but it's really basically he stays afloat in the late 90s and early 2000s by just selling off his dad's empire, which was actually really well worthwhile. Like it had a lot of value to it. Uh, a lot of buildings in Brooklyn and Coney Island and stuff. Mm. Uh, and by 2004, he sold off most of that. And mm. so that's when, and he can't get any loans. And that's when the Russian mob comes in. But it's yeah. just like, and so I think that that's, that's the real stuff is that he's broken financial laws, right. you know, and he does. And I think you're right, though. I don't think anybody has ever sat down with Donald Trump and said, Donald, <laughs> we know what you have done. Right. If you do not do this, we will do that. I don't think you have to. You know what I mean? I think no. that he knows. He knows they know. Yeah. They know he knows they know. Yeah. Uh, has it been hinted at? I'm sure at some point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that you're right that it's there is so much there, whether it's the stuff with FL Group or, you know, Tamir Sapir or the uh, gam- the Martian Mob Casino being run out of his building. <laughs> uh, you know. Wait, are you saying that's not a normal that, thing? Not that- really, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, or the Seder stuff. I mean, they know everything Seder knows. So it's just like, it's, yeah, I think that that is very likely, um, but also this way, whether or not they had to have, whether whether or not they had a conversation with Donald Trump of, Mm -hmm. if you don't do this, we can expose this. It is clear that they didn't have to have that conversation. They might've, but they didn't have to. Yeah. No, I, I was, when I went back, I was watching active measures last night and, you know, there's things you'll, you know, you know, it is you're, you watch movies as well as being a filmmaker. And I'm, I'm, I, I must've missed this the first time. I was like, wait a minute. The, they were running a, like it was in the beginning. I think it was Craig, Craig Unger or someone talking about, uh, just the money laundering and Trump tower from the beginning. I was like, Oh, I missed that part. Uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's the funny thing is that we always looked for like, that was the, our big journey was to the film was where do we start this thing? Because initially we thought it was 2004. We knew that a lot of Trump, Russian money started flowing to Trump in 2004. So we we're like, all right, well, that's the start point. Mm-hmm. And then every dive we would do, we would have, we'd have to get pushed back farther and farther. And actually, we had to make the, the Bogodin when he sells the five condos uh, to Bogodin personally, handshake deal. Uh, and then signed, obviously, uh, who Bogodin's obviously a Russian mobster, runs Russian mafia in New York at that point. Um that was just like, okay, well, that's the first clear line of illegality. Mm. It actually goes back further. The Trump's trip to Moscow, mm. uh, he comes back and then in the eighties comes back and starts saying he's going to run for president, like 86. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of these things, the, the Howard Lorber, if you're, if you like diving into this stuff, jump into that guy, that guy's been all over Trump and Russia since the eighties. Um, and, uh, also his dad, I mean, his dad <laughs> owned units in Coney Island where Felix Sater grew up and where his dad owned mm-hmm. a unit yeah. in one of those buildings. Uh, and there's seems to be some, I don't know how much, because before the 80s and late 70s, there isn't really much of a Russian mafia in New York, but there seems to be some overlap in that early period of the Russian mob with, now whether it's just that they're in Coney Island, that's where the Russian mob mm-hmm. is, or whether that's like, hey, this is the intro. Uh, all these things are possible, or it's also possible that it's a coincidence. That that, that seems to me that that could just actually be a coincidence. You mm. own a lot of buildings in Brooklyn. This guy's gonna you know, whatever, uh, but it certainly is is weird. Um, but it's it, I don't know. It, it, it's the kind of weird where you find out that William Barr's father hired <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein yeah. to teach at school. It, like, it, wait, I don't. Yeah. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's it's like. It, it, you know, ever since, uh, and I want to actually drop a brief plug as well, uh, here at Forensic News, uh, if you guys who are listening, um, Counterintelligence Podcast is part of Forensic News, and especially if you go to ForensicNews.net in the next, well, I'm not sure when, but we're about to drop a major article that relates to some of the things that Jack is talking about, uh, just in in a different way, so uh, some of this underworld, so I just want to put that out there for people who don't know, um, and I'll... Jack, well, I'll send it to you as well. Uh, Very cool. I Yeah, yeah. It's related to another, not Russia, but a, a similar type of situation. Uh, what I was going to say, though, was uh, this stuff, like you mentioned Epstein, and, you know, ever since I started doing more of this, and you may agree or you may have had a similar experience, like I was just walking down the street, and, like, this guy was walking a little too close and looking at me, and I'm like, I don't know, I'm just a lot more paranoid now <laughs> since I started... 
Have you had oh, any of those experiences? Yes, yes and no. <laughs> I mean, I, I had a moment of true paranoia, but we, we, I would get followed here and there. Yeah. And weirdly, that was the thing that kind of broke any paranoia. Oh. Because I, th- I think that when you, when you have it in the abstract like that, it's really scary. Yeah. But then when you see some like flunky following you around through a train station and he's just like some dude. <laughs> you're like, all right, well, this is what they do. Okay. Right. He's not, he's not going to kill me. He's just trying right. to see where I'm going. Right. And I also don't know who he works for. Like he doesn't have like a huge scar across his face and a hammer and sickle on his fucking arm. I'm like, oh, sorry. Right. I can swear here. Um, the, so, you know, I, it's one of those things where it's like, for some reason, actually <laughs> having people leave threatening voicemails and, uh, right. actually following me where I can see them really, um, made everything else easier. In a weird yeah. way, because when I couldn't, when I was like, oh, somebody, somebody coming after me, I don't know. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Then I was getting, I was just like working myself up. But when I could actually see them and like I was actually getting these voicemails, it was like, all right, well, that wasn't so bad. You you realize that, like, I know, like, Bellingcat dropped this, that major story where they were able to identify like 300 GRU operatives because they all use the same address on their driver's license. You're like, these people aren't necessarily that smart. Uh, Interesting. Like, yeah, I don't know if you see, it's it's unbelievable just by I getting didn't one. See that. Yeah. Oh wow! Can you can you send me that? Article? I got a definitely bunch of people uh, I cross reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll get it to you. Yeah, just just by uh, identifying one, because um, the government used the same address for all these people, so they they could identify oh, wow. all of them. Yeah, I'll send I'll send it to you. Uh, That's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah, I've got. I've, you definitely would like to use that as a cross reference for a bunch of people. I'm like, yeah, that guy's PR. It, it's it's crazy, <laughs> and it's crazy too. Like, I'm sure, like you know, like you're the expert, but uh, I know a fair amount too. But there's just things that no one can keep track of this stuff. Like, oh, absolutely not, absolutely not. No, but the uh, I, so actually, the way that I got into this whole time, whole thing uh, was I had at least two people uh, in my uh, Facebook network in 2016, who I had met in real life, mm. whose Facebook accounts were just dumping hundreds of articles of Russian propaganda throughout mm. the election every day. And then the day that the um, Access, Hollywood tape, uh, Access Hollywood tape dropped was the same day that the American government said the Russians were involving themselves in the election, and it was the same day that the suggested emails was leaked. Well, that was also the same day that these accounts went just dead for mm. three days. Just like, no, they took all the pictures off, they took everything off, they came back live three days later, and most of the fake news had been scrubbed. Mm. Uh, and like, they would, it, it was pretty brazen. I mean, one of them would post pictures of her Russian passport, like, hee hee hee. Then after the election, one of them, that one in fact, uh, started, uh, it was right before the French elections. Uh, very pro-Trump stuff, always, always, always. Then all of a sudden, she's like, I've become a Sharia Muslim, I'm going to oh. Paris. And starts posting about, like, these are sites that would be good bomb targets. Mm. And my suspicion is trying to create a lot of Facebook chatter about, oh, these terrorists are coming in, da, 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 and scaring people. Uh, and I, I'm pretty certain that that was, I mean, they would, they were, their messaging on everything Russian was exactly what the Russians they would want to be. And it was clearly saying things that they knew was not the case. Uh, and so I, I had strong suspicions that that person was, whether knowingly or unknowingly, receiving money and because they would also travel and do protests and stuff and huh. film the protests and it was very uh much in line with everything that you would see as russian propaganda at every turn yeah. and spending a lot of money so it was is it possible that they just gave over their um facebook page to some entity that thought was not russian they didn't know and whatever yes but i certainly have my suspicions that that is not what happened yeah, I've been uh, speaking of Facebook. I've definitely been researching that aspect of this propaganda quite a bit, and uh, it does appear already that the the Trump campaign is. I mean, they're pouring major dollars, and it just. I don't know. I just feel like. What do you think twenty twenty is going to look like? Uh, I'm really worried, you yeah. know, because nobody's nobody that is in a position to do something about our um, our elections is doing anything. Yeah. Um, now, my hope is that when the Russians, if the Russians start doing something in this cycle and it, people start calling it out and it becomes the detractor that if the mm. Russians are supporting you, that it actually kind of hurts your <laughs> candidacy. Yeah. That's the hope. <laughs> um, but I don't see any evidence for that. Uh, I don't see any, 
Um, I, I think that my, my hope is that somebody uh, gets like a nine point margin over Trump or a mm. seven point margin over Trump because I think that's what you're going to have to get mm. um, to win. You know, um, and, yeah, I, I was going to say like, speaking of which, um, I, last time I, I remember we touched on this a little bit, but the my greatest my greatest fear is that they get that nine point margin and because the Democrats have, have failed to hold them accountable, that it won't matter because they'll just do something. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, my biggest fear is that just people get so apathetic that they don't even oh. do anything. They don't even vote for it. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. listen, if that happens, then at least you have a case, right? right. People are just like, well, who knows? You know, she's so he or she or whoever it ends up being is a socialist and that <laughs> and whatever and... Uh, I, they want to let all the immigrants kill my babies and whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then you have just no recourse. Then it's just like, well, what the heck, you know? <laughs> yeah. Then it's just like, then you, that's that's the thing I worry about. Like, look, if they try to steal this thing, there's that's horrible and that would be terrifying and that would mean bad things. But um, I mean, I guess that would be worse in the long run because that would set that as a precedent. Sure. Um, I you know I don't know. I, I think it's all. I think it's yeah. All, I think we're, there's a lot of. We have a lot of unpacking and a lot of, um, you know, uh, a lot of, uh, we, we really need to make a decision um, as a country to deal with corruption. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing that's, that's being missed is that this is just corruption. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about, oh, foreign intervention, da, 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 yeah, these are all big deals because it's a foreigner, but it's the biggest deal because it's just corruption. Right. Like they don't care about you at all. They don't care about domestic policy other than how it affects them, any foreign country. And also largely like a lot of these rich dudes that are paying mm-hmm. for the elections. So it's like if we can deal with our democracy and money in our democracy, then we can deal with foreign intervention. We can deal with domestic billionaires owning our elections. We can deal with all these things. But uh, until we deal with money in politics, until we deal with that in a real, real way, people's votes will matter less and yeah. people's voices will matter. Yeah. Matter less. Yeah. Some of the, uh, you know, work that we've been doing at, at forensic news, I, it's definitely, I mean, I've been pretty well aware of corruption, but I like, I, like I went back to before, I didn't realize in just some of the research I've been doing this real underworld and these people, they do these things basically because they, they do get away with it. Like tr- Trump is getting away with it. That's why he's going to keep doing it. It's not complicated yeah. at all. Absolutely, hundred percent agree. Yeah, and it's they get away with it, and it's um, they make money, make a lot. I mean, that was the thing. It's like I, I think when I started the active measures, when I started the uh-huh. film, uh-huh. there was an element of me that was like, oh, like the mafia. Like this is almost romantic. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. Godfather. And then about five minutes in, you realize like, oh, they're just doing human trafficking right. and stealing from state coffers. Oh, that's no, that's not fun or sexy at all. <laughs> right. Right. Like these are horrible people that want, that are just like, I'll, yeah, I'll do whatever I can to make money. And we're all, I mean, in some way or another, we're all paying for it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they go after state assets and, um, that they get, I mean, currently, I mean, they, they affect the gas market significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, certainly make it harder and they have they have you know um penetration i mean um you know uh, william sessions who's the former head of the fbi is mokalevich's lawyer you know they have these guys is uh, uh they have access i mean how about this uh michael chertoff is um uh, dimitri furtash's lawyer in america wow. lanny davis is his lawyer in europe you, you um know, like sorry. no no i was gonna say you know it's funny uh William Sessions' name. I don't know if you remember this, but I'm pretty sure his was the name that used to be in front of like a video game. If you were a kid in the '80s, like pirate, do not pirate this game. Like, and you're like, when you were like eight years old, and it's funny. That's so he's so he's a lawyer for Russian mafia. I love it. Yes, he's cur- <laughs> he currently acts as the head of the Russian mafia's legal counsel. Yeah, uh, so good for him. Yeah, uh, and his son was until recently a congressman in uh, Texas. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't know where I was going with that, but they they have penetration and Mm. if somebody tells you that they don't, they're kidding (laughs) themselves first. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it's a real, it's a real problem. 
you know, and it's not just going to be the, again, it's not going to be the Russians. It's everybody now. Why, why wouldn't you do it? Russians face no repercussions. Right. Basically. And that, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Jack. Yeah. No, but, I mean, like they didn't, Trump camp, Trump administration was not enforcing sanctions uh. and the sanctions that they were put on them, you know, were a lot lighter than they should be. And Oleg Deripaska, mm. who through Konstantin Kalimnik was communicating and getting uh, internal campaign data from Manafort throughout the election. So the guy who's directly involved has had sanctions removed on his company and is now doing business, opening a plant in Kentucky. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's ridiculous. It's, I yeah. mean, to- totally normal, a, a Russian oligarch opening up a uh, aluminum plant in Kentucky. Well, but, and not just any Russian oligarch, <laughs> Paul Manafort's <laughs> old boss, who would g- give him $10 million yeah. to, to uh, represent Russian interests in Europe and in America. Like, that yeah. was the guy's job. His last big payday was, mm. you're an American, represent Russian interests in America. That was his job for like 10 years, and in Europe. Uh, and he becomes the head of the Trump campaign. Hmm. <laughs> wonder, wonder how he got hired for that one. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a tough one. So, yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, man of, or, or Deripaska just being completely let off and his company now no longer being sanctioned him being allowed to operate within the United States mm. is a clear cut message to everybody that if you want to involve yourself with American elections, so long as you win, you're good. That's one of the, uh, the great, I just read an article that one of the great, uh, people think the mistakes of the Mueller report is that it, that right now there is a gaping hole that it's okay to accept foreign, you know, I- intervention. It's like the green yeah. light. Uh, Absolutely. And absolutely, I did want to ask you because the I remember um, when when I spoke to you and and your team uh, the last time the Mueller report hadn't come out. I remember we talked about that. You know, there was a little speculation. You know, hope. I mean, what what was your reaction now that it's come out? I know you talked about it, but what what do you think when it came out and you read it? I mean, I was pretty shocked by that. The yeah. fact that that is not a crime. I I don't know how. That's not. A, I mean, like that's the thing is, like if that's if that's legal, then everyone's going to do that. Like if you can right. if, if you can meet with uh, Iranian intelligence and be like hire a bot army and yeah. you should target these areas. And if I can't quantify the value of that, it doesn't count. Is is fucking crazy? Sorry, I, I'm not. I can no. but um, the no. uh, say anything you want. Crazy. It's a podcast. Oh, oh, great, yeah. So yeah, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, it's 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 beyond me um and i think that yeah it's very likely going to become just the new normal um yeah. that that's that's a lot to do uh yeah. and so uh, i don't i mean uh, there's a law i think uh swalwell wrote a law trying to make that illegal mm-hmm. um but you know also, if Donald Trump doesn't know, or if Donald Trump Jr. doesn't know it's illegal <laughs> to take that, then he can make the case that he can't be charged for it. Well, because he wasn't charged for it, I think everybody could make the case that they didn't know it was illegal. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I was, you know, no, I mean, like yeah. everybody can say that now. <laughs> now that it, he hasn't been charged, it's like, oh, Donald Trump Jr. did the same thing and no one said it was illegal. So I thought it was legal. That's never understood Yeah, like for anybody I, I, in life. I, you can't. That's not a. That's not a valid explain uh, that anyone can give to the police. I didn't know that was illegal. Yeah. Like yeah. I've never heard of that before till till this. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing how that works out well for those guys. Um, yeah. So you know, I think that I, I think that on in Mueller's defense, hmm. I think that he thought Manafort was going to get life. Hmm. I don't think he thought that the judge was going to go easy on Manafort. Mm. Uh, and um, it's possible these guys and this is the most generous possible interpretation I don't think it's the case mm. but it's possible these guys wanted to hold off on other charges in case they got pardoned as well so I don't think that's the case I think that um, Mueller's uh, highest loyalty was not to justice but to delivering um, a decision huh. that nobody could 
overtly be like, well, you you didn't charge, you know what I mean? Like he wouldn't get in trouble from anybody. He would mm. do the least damage to his own reputation and that he's not completely ignoring things, but he's also clearly not charging crimes that are, that he, any, any, tra- any crime that he could possibly create a argument against charging, he doesn't charge. Yeah. Uh, which I don't think he would do if he were charging somebody who wasn't president or what was investigating who wasn't the president, frankly. So uh, I think that it is a, yeah, it's a real, and the fact that he's also decided that whether the president can be indicted is a political decision, not a criminal decision, uh, is bananas. And I think that uh, further, but listen, also here's the thing. If you want to say that, fine. Okay, do that. But if you're going to do that, then you have to give all of the information you have over to the body politic. You can't be like, it's all your choice to make this decision. It's a political choice. It has nothing to do with the Justice Department. It has to be done by politicians. But I'm not going to give you the information. I'm just going to give you the summary of what I think. And by the way, within the summary, I'm looking, I'm looking at multiple people who work for the Russian mafia, talking to multiple people who worked for the Russian mafia over the years, and never once identifying them as such or making any mention of the Russian mafia. Yeah. It's I mean, I, a little crazy. Yeah. I think there's I always, you know, I'm, I, I think there's a chance that, I mean, I know there's a lot we don't know, and I know there's a lot of investigations that he formed out. And I, but at the end of the day, as they say, you really just do have to look at the results. And right now, they ain't good at all. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, and also, I think that there's an element of, uh, I mean, I, this was the big fear from the beginning with Mueller, yeah. was that because he had been, the head of the New York FBI, and then later the head of the general FBI at the period of time which the Russian mafia took over America, basically. Completely took over everything the Italian mafia was did, rolled on them, put them in prison, took over New York, you know, took over all the real estate stuff, and was doing these massive scams. They weren't even looking at them because they were all sources. And the dirty asset problem blew up under Mueller in that they would have these guys like, for example, Whitey Bulger, who were FBI assets, would tell the FBI information, and as a result of that, the FBI would allow them to continue their criminal enterprises. Because if you, if you want to have, listen, in the FBI's defense, if you want to have an informant in a criminal operation, then you have to really allow that person to continue criminal activity. Because <laughs> otherwise, they're not going to be in a criminal organization. That's true. And so as a result of that, you have these things like Whitey Bulger who take advantage of that and go, okay, well, I can just take out hundreds of people in Boston and just inform on other people to the FBI and they'll get arrested and I can continue my criminal enterprise and become the most dangerous man in America with the FBI's help. Yeah. I think that happened a lot with the Russian mafia, specifically Felix Sater. I mean, Felix Sater has committed yep. crime after crime after crime in New York and the FBI and CIA are constantly backing him up. Um, and I, a lot of it has to do with the fact that the Russian mob is doing, selling weapons to, uh, terrorists <laughs> and he knows where. Yeah. And so he can give a little information, give a little, da-da-da, and as a result of that, he's able to, you know, do money laundering operations. It certainly seems so out of New York. Certainly seems like he had a locker full of guns. Maybe not, but it certainly had his daughter's name as the passport, as the password, <laughs> passcode, uh, and it's been tied to him. Uh, and uh, he seems to be doing all sorts of dirty. I mean, he's accused of trying to murder another employee of Trump organization. Right. Cut him up and like leave him in the car. Nice. Um, and so that that gentleman is only allowed to do that because the FBI is allowing him to do that. He never, by the way, also. He does a, a stock scheme where he's ripping people off, American families. He's ripping off, and he makes a deal that does not include restitution. So he never has to pay any of those people back yeah. that he stole from. These people in America right now that are broke because they met Felix Sater, yeah, and he has not had to pay for that in any way. It's it's a very American thing to make these these deals with the devil, and like you said, I mean Felix Sater, I believe provided the U.S. government, if reports are correct, Osama bin Laden's phone number? Am I correct about that? He, no, he provided his driver's phone. His driver's he number. Provided driver, an older driver's number. And it's like, right. it's, it, that's, that's my suspicion with Seder as well, is that like, it's a lot of stuff that um, sounds poppy. Like, okay, I'll give you an example that he, mm. he uses to kind of cover stuff up. Mm. Like, I did 
an interview with uh, Isakoff, mm-hmm. right? And on his podcast. And at the time, Isakoff is talking a lot to Sater. Mm-hmm. And Sater knows that he's going to have me on, and he wants to read a st- have Michael Isakoff read a statement saying I had nothing to do with anything to do with the Russian mafia. I don't, I don't know, know anything. My dad didn't have, I never even, never even heard of Russia. Uh, and so what seems to have happened is that in order to get him to read this, Felix Sater presents him with a picture of him and Bill Clinton. Ooh, that's like a shiny object. That's like a, that's like a kind of interesting, like, okay, Felix Sater and Bill Clinton. Now what, what really happened is Felix Sater paid some a couple thousand bucks to go to some fundraising event in Long Island where he lives that Bill Clinton was at. You can do right. it. Anybody, if you, if you had a couple thousand bucks to spend on a fundraising event where Bill Clinton's at, you can get your picture taken with Bill Clinton, right? Yeah. So Clinton has no idea who this guy is. Just, all right, there you go. There you go. Yeah. And yet that's a shiny object. It seems like a thing. It's this Russian mobster that always ties to Trump who's standing next to Bill Clinton. And so it's, it seems like a thing, mm-hmm. and it allows him to get the thing he wants, which is to read the statement on air, uh, but it doesn't actually lead to anything. And uh, one of the things that I'm, I was having a conversation about Felix Sater sure. early on and kind of talking about this sort of stuff. And I was like, yeah, but he did track down these, apparently track down these um, uh, missiles, these, um, what are they called? The stinger um, missiles. Stinger, these, stinger missiles yeah. in, um, in Afghanistan. And these are Soviet stinger missiles. They've been mm. lost in Afghanistan. Mm. And my buddy who was CIA, was a former CIA, was like, yeah. oh, he was a stinger missile guy? Like, yeah, what do you mean? Like, that was the biggest con we would ever have. Like, in the Middle East, the Americans are desperate to get these Singer missiles that we sold to the Afghans, uh, or that the Afghans have. Some they got, some they got from the Russians, some they got from us. Um, but there, there were a few of them, and you always get calls from like these con men who have like empty shells, being like, "Oh, we got these Singer missiles." It's like, <laughs> almost always an operation, and. It makes total sense with what, what you're saying that he would be one of these guys because it's just like it's an easy way to get money from the government. You'll actually have to give them anything. You can find empty shell casings. You can kind of be like, you know. Uh, and so my, my suspicion is that that was most of what Sater gave the American government was sort of like shiny objects that look good but probably didn't actually do anything. And part of the reason I think that they probably didn't do anything is that it, it, from a lot of what we've seen and heard, it seemed like his bosses in the Russian mafia were working uh, with Al-Qaeda. We're selling them weapons. And so he's right. not going to turn on them. You know, he might give a little bit. And that's the thing we always guys do. They give a little bit to stay out of jail. And then I'll, they can keep doing yeah. whatever they want. I was going to say, I mean, they must, I, not, again, with the limited knowledge that, that I have, I, just from what I can read and what I can see on TV, it seems like he must have, like, I, the thing about, let's say, Osama bin Laden's driver's phone number, that, I mean, that sounds pretty valuable to me, uh, but I don't know exactly what eventually led to, catching bin laden but i would do you think that Sater? my, my understanding is yeah. that nothing that he gave them had led to anything is right? to do with capturing it that is okay. my understanding certainly wow. i don't think it was well, first of all it wasn't his driver when he was caught he wasn't oh. being driven around his car but as i understand he just, he just held up in a, a thing in a bad about right yeah um but um so I, I don't think it was a it, i think it was had been a former driver mm. uh, and i don't my understanding is it did not absolutely did not lead to his capture uh, that's even more sad. Years. Yeah, you know, I mean, listen, it, it may, listen, it maybe it contributed some helpful piece of information, um, you know, but listen, that guy's a liar. That guy, <laughs> it's the other thing to, to really keep in mind is like, and, and I, I know this is a matter of fact. I mean, Sater sure. reached out to, to us um, to talk, you know, before, and specifically before he was going to testify in front of Congress. I was like, I want to talk to you before I testify. And we informed Congress, like, you can't, that's, that doesn't seem right, first right. of all. Uh, <laughs> so we let somebody in Congress know, and they reached out to his people, and they're like, that never happened. Wow. Like, listen, we've got text messages of Isikoff being like, Sater wants to talk to you before he, he, can, uh, before right. he uh, uh, testifies. So, you know, I think that he is a liar. Yeah. But I think he's a great liar. And that's the thing, it's like, like, he'll literally go on Chris Hayes and not get called out. He'll refer to, like, uh, Tamir Sapir as a New York real estate guy. Tamir Sapir is a Georgian oligarch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. he's he's connected. I mean, like so it's like he knows the the one thing that you can absolutely tell about Felix Sater is he knows he's lying. And so, uh, and he's been it's been I mean he's been appeared in books since the early two thousands as like the Russian mob dude who like knows every crazy person. <laughs> 
so the idea that, you know, I mean, listen, I think that he's, I think that all these guys just are down for everything. I think, okay, so a good example, mm-hmm. Maxwell, the, the father of the, the guy that's procuring all the women for, uh, for Epstein or all the little girls for Epstein mm. women. No, of course, um, no, no, I know what you mean. Young. Yeah, of course. Okay. So her father, Robert Maxwell was this British media bear. Okay. Mm. He was Czech born. He was really tight with the Russian mob, it seems, mm. and with Mogilevich and the Russian intelligence. Also, he was tight with the Israeli mob. Also, he would advise John Major, who was the British prime minister, uh, about internal stuff going on with the Soviet Union. Uh, now, listen, a year after he did that, he was killed. <laughs> so uh, I, that might have had something to do with it. Within a year of advising John Major, he's murdered on his boat randomly. No one knows what happened. Um, so I, that was that might have been a thing, but I think that that was a guy who was just kind of came for anything. I think that like they'll work with these guys, they'll work with that guy. He got money. They like the lifestyle. I think if you look at a lot of these guys, whether it's Alexander Nix, Cambridge Analytica, Felix Sater, or Maxwell, a lot of these guys, like they're just game. Like they like they like doing stuff in Africa because it's like the last frontier. They like doing stuff in America because it's a big deal place to do stuff. They like doing stuff in Eastern Europe because you can make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a, a bit of a game to make a lot of these guys. But And I get I mean, listen, making active measures, we hung out a lot of, like, uh, you know, uh, espionage people, a lot of former spies, mm-hmm. a lot of people that knew a lot of secrets. And, you know, you wind up in sort of back rooms in Poland talking to this. It's fun. I, there's, there's an yeah. element of romance to that. And sure. so on one part, I get it, but also they know how much damage they're doing. They know yeah. that they're just stealing from people. They know that they're uh, really helping human traffickers a mm. lot. That's where a lot of that money comes from. And, uh, you know, requisitioning gas money, especially from Europe. It's, they love gas schemes and insurance fraud. Those are the, the things that they are probably best at is insurance fraud and gas schemes. Um, and we all pay, we all pay at the pump and we all pay in insurance. Right. That's kind of the key thing, isn't it? Uh, I was reading I was reading a book about money laundering, and that was the, the author's primary message at the end. He was like, you know, we all pay for this and not just in money. And, you know, like and he detailed uh, just a variety of examples where like a like a hospital system that where people die because the oligarchs stole all the money, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And by the way, property. Mm hmm. All right. I mean, if you live in Florida, if you live in New York, if you live in L.A., one of the reasons the property is so expensive there is that there's a ton of illegal laundering. Now, listen, with that, there's also an issue of there are you know Chinese companies that will just buy floors of buildings. Mm-hmm. I think that that is a more complicated issue. That is mm-hmm. that is not what I'm talking about exactly, mm-hmm. but that is a similar issue. But a lot of that is just like dirty money. Yeah. that people have been stealing from other people, <laughs> been stealing from other countries, and just need to wash that money out. And, uh, you know, uh, and that raise, that affects your rent. That affects what you pay on real estate. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it actually hits everybody. Like, if, if you care about, like, if anybody is, like, upset by how much we spend on social programs or mm-hmm. stuff like that, like, care about this. Care about this first. <laughs> so this is affecting you quicker and this is affecting you without any benefits to anybody who's not a crook. Right. That that's the the quintessential kind of American scam that's been perpetrated primarily uh by the Republicans that right, someone is stealing from you, but they want you to think, of course, that it's uh, some social program when of course in reality it's these guys. Um Yeah. I mean we spend ten times as much on uh, fossil fuel subsidies as we spend on education in this country. Right. So if somebody is, if somebody is stealing from the fossil fuel industry like in a big way, like, yeah, you're paying for that. Right. And, and, and it, not just paying that in, on the pump, you're paying for that in your taxes. Yeah, right, exactly. And it makes you wonder if people really understood that, if, they, if people really knew about that tape, which is available anywhere online, of Paul Ryan and Kevin McCarthy laughing, saying that Trump is paid by Putin. I don't understand why that doesn't drive you into the street uh, shouting for change. Yeah, uh, I, I think that it's, um, I mean, so let me do the, the, the pleasant spin. Like this is, <laughs> this is what, the thing I have to tell myself that in some way, it's all horrible. Uh-huh. Don't get me wrong. 
but like the we both agree and so let me just give the pleasant spin on this which sure. is at least with trump um i think that people care about the issues you know i mean like if, if it was just that i like his personality i don't think he'd win i think people genuinely care about uh um immigration they genuinely care about these things and so they're not just you know, it, it is at least a policy concern that they have. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe not. But, but, but that's like a nice thing for me to tell myself is like, at least it's what? not just a, you know, they actually care about there's a debate you can have. I don't sure. know. Maybe it isn't the case. I think I'm just trying to spin it for myself. So I don't get no. too depressed. No, Jack, look, <laughs> look, I, Jack, I agree with you. And, and I want to, I just want to ask you one more thing, but I also want to say sure. that the, for all of you have seen active measures, it ended on the, uh, I'm, this is a good way to actually end the show. It ended with the people in the streets. Am I correct? In Ukraine? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Ukraine, America, Georgia, Russia, everywhere. They took they took their country back, and I absolutely think uh, that was the best way to end the movie. And I think I do think things will end that way. I, I really do. I hope uh, so. I think I think it's still got a very good chance. I think so. I think it's very likely that he is out in two years, and that we're able to. But it's also just not getting him out. Like we can't just pat ourselves on the back once he's out. We really right. actually have to do. The reason he's he's bad is is that he's not going to do the things that are important to do. So uh, I think that we really have to have to actually address those issues once he's out. You know, That's right. It won't mean anything. Yeah. Jack, anything else you want to uh, tell the show or uh, uh, a teaser about anything you're working on at all or anything? Uh, I, I've got a few, I've got one scripted thing. Hopefully it'll be happening next year. I've got a few docs that are sort of in different phases that are happening now-ish. Maybe, hopefully we'll see. Um, I hope we'll know in a few weeks if something's really going to go. Um, but yeah, things are going good. Awesome. And, uh, Felix Sater, if you are listening, we would love to interview you here on the show. Uh, yeah, just don't, don't believe what he says. (laughs) He's he's the slippery, slipperiest character there is. Yeah, it won't be a fun interview, uh, probably, but uh, for, 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 but we'll see. Jack, Jack Bryan, thank you so much for coming on the show, and we will uh, talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. Follow Forensic News on Twitter at Forensic Newsnet. Counterintelligence is at IntelPod. My personal account is Eric LeVay. Support Forensic News on Patreon. Subscribe to Counterintelligence everywhere you listen to podcasts. This is Eric LeVay, and this is Counterintelligence.